contributing to your Saturday evening's entertainment in a most delightful way, the one and only Fat Waller in a program of Rhythmic Hot Show. Ah, oh, please, gentlemen, please. My, my, these announcement fellas really do put on the dog. And just for that, boys, come over here and hold my hand. Am I happy? Tickle pain. There's no telling how I feel. I'm so happy, I can't think. I keep wondering, is this real? Come on and hold my hand. There's romance in the weather. Hold my hand and lightly. You're listening to the Jazz India Circuit Podcast, and I'm your host, Lakshdatta. What you just heard is a recording of a live performance by a jazz legend, Fats Waller and his orchestra, performed at the Yacht Club in New York in 1938. Jazz as a genre of music has been around for over a century. Experimental, up-tempo, funky and daring, jazz has always been at the cutting edge of what's possible. But where did it come from? Where is it now? And where is it going? How do these rhythms, voices, and harmonies combine to create these sounds? We, and by we I mean Launchora and Teamwork Arts, wanted to create this podcast to talk about the evolution and diversification of jazz music from its origins to the various styles of jazz you hear today. In this six-part series, I'm going to take you on a musical journey. Now today is November 1st, our first episode, and it's a Friday. And every Friday for the next five Fridays, we're going to bring you stories, conversations, and music all about jazz. It would all lead up to India's premier contemporary jazz festival, the Jazz India Circuit, which is happening in Goa on November 30th and December 1st, and in Gurugram on December 6th. We have a special discount on tickets just for our listeners, and I will tell you all about that and this year's lineup at the end of this episode. Now let's bring the conversation back to jazz. In this first episode, I'd like to take you back a hundred years to tell you about where jazz came from. And to figure that out, I spoke with Naresh Fernandez, writer and editor of Scroll.in, and the author of the book, Taj Mahal Foxtrot, The Story of Bombay's Jazz Age. I asked Naresh about the origins of the genre, going back a hundred years to the 1910s, before jazz became jazz. The, the, the way people uh, and scholars have described it is that jazz seems to have been born in uh, New Orleans, which was an astonishing melting pot of a city. It was where American uh, slaves and freed slaves were listening to Western classical music and mashing it all up, uh, the rhythms of Africa, um, especially in a part of New Orleans called Congo Square, where uh, freed slaves gathered. They had learned to play uh, Western instruments, the saxophone, uh, the piano. And all this was sort of leavened by the music of the Caribbean, which is not so far from uh, New Orleans. This gives jazz what is called the Spanish tinge. And it was all of these things together, the sort of blues uh, of the field hollers, uh, the blues and the field hollers of the cotton fields, lush harmonies of Western classical music, and that Spanish edge that merged together and created this uh, wonderful music that we know as jazz. 
People often talk about jazz as improv and fusion. And jazz itself was fusion from another genre, as a mix of genres. From blues and ragtime, a new sound had developed. But what was it about this sound that the audience found so appealing? Jazz was instantly appealing. It was sort of, it had just a great rhythm that made you want to get up to your feet and dance. I think that was the most instantly appealing thing about it. And the melodies were instantly catching. It was really, I think, among the first instances of what we call world music. It, it brought together so many different cultural traditions in a way that hadn't been heard before. While it may be easy for you and I to discover new music today through YouTube and music apps, back in the 1920s, music couldn't travel unless it was recorded. And it just so happens that right when jazz was finding its audience, a new device was finding its way into the homes of listeners. This machine was the gramophone, and being quite affordable for the middle class, eventually these recordings found their way all around the world including India. Bands in India that had been playing marches and quick steps and other things, especially for the British administrators, but also military bands began to hear this and try to figure out how to play it themselves. They had the instruments, they had the clarinets and the saxophones and the trap drums. So jazz was sort of being played or a version of jazz was being played in India from the 1920s. That's much is pretty clear. These musicians were escaping racism in America. Some of them, others were just seeking new economic opportunities. Many of them had spent the 20s in Europe, uh, bringing jazz to Scandinavia and England and Western Europe. And they began to make their way over to Asia. By the 1930s, there was a fairly sophisticated jazz scene in Bombay and Calcutta and Shanghai. And these musicians um, were traveling up and down between these places, performing in the Dutch East Indies, in uh, Sri Lanka, in Singapore, in Hong Kong. And so, yeah, by the 1930s, jazz was being played all across Asia. Among the, the stories I came across was uh, a Filipino jazz band that was playing in Jamalpur in Bihar in the mid-1930s. And this was because there were railway cantonment towns uh, there were railway colonies across India. The British and the Anglo-Indian people who lived in these colonies, some of uh, uh, which were located in places we consider fairly remote, had gymkhanas uh, and clubs. And they had uh, a, a great taste for jazz. Cantonment towns um, in uh, across India also had bands that were playing jazz. The first uh, African-American band to come to India was uh, led by a guy called Leon Abbey. Uh, he was a violinist from Minnesota. And he came to India in 1935 and uh, played two seasons at the Taj Mahal Hotel in Bombay. By uh, In a couple of years, he was already hiring Indian sidemen uh, to staff his band. So Indians in, uh, were, were playing alongside American musicians pretty early. Among the first Indian musicians to play alongside these American bands was Mickey Correa, who was a saxophonist. He would go on to lead a band at the Taj Mahal Palace in Mumbai, then called Bombay, 
for over 30 years. But he wasn't the only Indian musician to collaborate with the Americans back then. Uh, there was uh, another multi-instrumentalist called Josip Menzies, uh, and there was also a trumpet player called Frank Fernand. Uh, they went on to become legends in their, in their time, these guys. They said, uh, to use the racist phraseology of the time, that they really wanted to know how to play like Negroes, by which they meant that they wanted to play with a sort of abandonment, uh, but uh, technical virtuosity that they associated with African-Americans. And then came the 1940s and World War II. Thousands of Allied troops came to India, and between periods of conflict, they needed R&R, rest and recreation. And so jazz bands began performing for these troops. And that also became a great opportunity for Indian jazz musicians and bands to create their music and perform for this audience. Once the Second World War ended, another war began, the Cold War. And it was during this time that jazz became a political weapon. By the 1950s, the world was pretty much divided into two blocks, the Soviet bloc and the American bloc. And each of these guys was trying to do that best to win their hearts and minds. Eisenhower decided that he would uh, start a special program to send American culture around the world. And the centerpiece of American culture, as they devised it in Washington, was going to be jazz. Uh, jazz was quite useful for them uh, because jazz was played by African-Americans. And at a time when people in Asia and Africa were quite suspicious of American uh, and American motives. It allowed them to pretend that African Americans were actually equal citizens uh, of the US. This was, of course, uh, not quite true because African Americans in the South didn't have the right to vote. And as a result, India got to listen to a lot of music by a lot of the greats. Uh, there was Dave Brubeck, who came out uh, in 1958, who was among the, the, the he was the first uh, American jazz ambassador, as they were known. Uh, but then Duke Ellington came out and many others. Given its popularity, recognition and reach, eventually fans of the genre would begin to start calling certain decades and times the golden era of jazz. But given the improvisational nature of the medium, is it even possible for jazz to have a golden era? We're living through a, a golden era now. There are musicians who are astonishingly proficient in this technical way who can play all sorts of styles and who are really melding the influences of the world into something that's really unique. So I think now we have a period in which you have lots of musicians uh, who are playing astonishing music and if you're Indian, this is really the golden era because in previous uh, eras in Indian life, you couldn't access this damn music. It was uh, sort of uh, records were hard to come by and tapes were hard to come by. We lived in an era of import restrictions. And now we can call up everybody um, on the Internet. We can watch concerts live at the Lincoln Center as they are happening on Facebook. It's truly a wonderful time. That was Narish Fernandez, catching us up on where jazz came from. So today in this episode, we've talked about the past. And in the coming episodes, I'll be sharing my conversations with jazz musicians today. Vocalists, guitarists, drummers, 
as well as the people who are investing in keeping this genre alive and giving musicians a stage to perform. Now, I mentioned in the beginning that I would tell you about a special discount that you can avail to get tickets for the Jazz India Circuit concerts coming up in Goa and Delhi. Now, these tickets are available on Paytm Insider. There are multiple packages and all of that information is on the Jazz India Circuit website. Once you select the tickets you like and you reach the Paytm Insider page, there's going to be an option to apply a code. The code for you is JAZZ10. J-A-Z-Z-1-0. Once you enter that, you'll get 10% off on whichever ticket or package you select. Now, even if you're not able to attend these concerts, we do want to give you a glimpse of some of the performers that will be at the Jazz India Circuit this year. So at the end of each episode, we're going to close out with a song by one of them. Before I play the song for you, let me just tell you about this year's lineup. On November 30th and December 1st in Goa, you're going to see live performances from Simon Thacker, Karan Coastline Co., Macha Garibian Trio, The Shuffle Demons, The Great Harry Hillman, Mono Suezi, Danius Palauska's group, and The Turbans. On December 6th, performing in Gurugram will be Adil Manuel Collective, The Shuffle Demons, and Simon Thacker. Thank you for listening to episode one of the Jazz India Circuit podcast. And closing out this episode is the song Penetration by Danny Espalauskas Group. <laughs>